Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. As Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Such a stark beginning for the ministry of Jesus, for His public ministry. You may remember earlier, Mark has already told us that Jesus has gone down to the river where John the Baptist was preaching, received the waters of baptism, heard a voice from heaven affirming Him as the Son of God, as beloved. But right after that, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness, and he spends 40 days and nights, it says, in the wilderness, clarifying his call, becoming clear about his mission, preparing to be in public ministry. And our story today picks up right as he's coming out of this time of trial and temptation. And the story tells us that Jesus comes out of the wilderness And John has been arrested. Perhaps his strongest supporter so far has been John the Baptist, the one who baptized him, the one who is in this same ministry calling for repentance with him. And now he's been arrested. The authorities have decided to clamp down. They've had enough of John. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, the text focused on John the Baptist told us that he went out into the countryside and was preaching about repenting or changing your ways, asking for forgiveness, looking for the forgiveness of God. So many people were going out to hear John in the countryside that the authorities in town from the temple in Jerusalem sent some others out to see what was John all about what was he saying what was he doing should they pay attention like all these others who are flocking to hear him and be around him they decide that what he is saying is controversial enough that they're going to arrest him and arrest him they do verse 14 now after John was arrested Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Jesus has decided it is time for Him to act. It is time for action. Have you ever had that experience in your life where you were thinking about doing something and there came a pivotal moment where you decided, this is the time, now is the time, I must act. Even in the face of trouble, I'm going to act. Or maybe, because of the trouble, I am going to act. Jesus says, 
Now is the time. Now is the time. Verse 15, Jesus begins to speak and says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Dr. Eugene Peterson has written a paraphrase of the Bible called the Message Version. You may have heard of it. I like the way he translated this 15th verse. He quotes Jesus like this. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Change your life and believe the message. Now is the time. The time is fulfilled. God is moving. God is acting. It is time to align with God. It's time to align your life with God. Jesus is calling for change and saying, whatever change you need to make to draw nearer to God, do it now. Last weekend, there were hundreds of people here on Sunday night. Years ago, the Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Society asked if Boston Avenue Church would be willing to host the community-wide worship celebration of the life and legacy of Dr. King. We agreed to do so. And Sunday night was the time, and we had a wonderful service. The next morning was bone-chilling, and yet many of us were at the parade celebrating Dr. King and his vision for equality and justice among all peoples in our nation. But one of the great moments on that weekend for me every year is there is a student speech contest where young people memorize Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, and then they give their rendition of that here at Boston Avenue. It is a stirring speech, and the young people have prepared and deliver it so beautifully. And every year I'm inspired, but I'm also reminded Dr. King said some hard things that day. It was August 1963. I want to read you a few sentences from that speech. Dr. King says, In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. Two years later, the 89th Congress convened and passed the Voting Rights Act, which was a great step forward in our country for justice and equality for 
all people of all colors and all creeds. Dr. King's efforts were largely the motivating force behind that. We enjoy celebrating his legacy, but he did not do all of what he did without running into trouble with the authorities. Time and time again, he ran into resistance and trouble. He stands in that long line of prophets that stretches all the way back to Jesus and John the Baptist. People who challenge the status quo from a basis that God's love and justice for all calls us as a people of faith to work and pray for God's will in our time and in our place. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Can you believe it? Can you believe that God's call is still alive today? That God might be calling you to draw nearer? To respond to the call of Christ? To align your life with God's life in this day and time? Can you believe that? Do you believe that God is at work in our world and in your life? Do you believe that God be, could be calling you and me to get on board with the divine work in the world. Mark proclaims that is what Jesus believed and called us to respond. Dr. Peterson, in the version he wrote, the Message Bible, has a commentary before each of the books. In his introduction to Mark, he writes about this very thing. He puts it like this, an event has taken place that radically changes the way we look at and experience the world, and he cannot wait to tell us about it. There's an air of breathless excitement in nearly every sentence he writes. The sooner we get the message, the better off we'll be, for the message is good, incredibly good. God is here and God's on our side. Mark doesn't want us to waste a minute of these precious lives of ours, ignorant of this most practical of all matters, that God wants to save us. That God wants to save us us can you believe it jesus comes on the scene and calls people to repent and then when he sees these individuals he says follow me and i will make you fish for people so if you wonder, how do I repent? How do I get saved? How do I get turned around? The answer in the Gospels is, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Believe in the good news. And follow Jesus. 
so often in America when I hear a pastor preaching on this idea of following Christ and being fishers of people or that he will make us fish for people, they go right into a commentary about evangelism and how we should be talking to every person we meet. And not that talking to people about faith is a bad thing. But if you read through the gospel stories, Jesus does a whole lot more than just talk to people. When you read through the entirety of the Gospels, you will hear that this call to follow and fish for people is embodied by Jesus as not just talking to people, but serving people. Oh, certainly He's teaching and preaching, but He's also healing and forgiving and guiding people. He's including people. He's inviting people who have been ostracized and marginalized into His family. He is doing good for them every opportunity he has. So even though he's teaching and preaching, this idea of fishing for people, I think he intends much more than just talking. I think he wants us doing and serving. You'll remember that the word used for love in the Christian scriptures most often is agape, which means to do the good or will the good for another. So when Jesus talks about loving one another, he's talking about doing good for others and serving other people. Later on in Mark's gospel, Mark clarifies this for us by telling a story about Jesus when he's with his 12 closest disciples. They've gotten a little confused about this idea of servanthood. They begin to argue about who's going to be the greatest and who's going to get the most honor because they know Jesus and are sitting close to him. As they're discussing all of that, Mark tells us in the 10th chapter, verse 42, this story. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them. And their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom or many the son of man came not to be served but to serve to do good for others to serve other people and not because of who they are we're not called to do it because of who they are but because we've heard the call of Christ we've heard God beckoning and calling us To not only receive this great love offered to us through Jesus Christ, but to be ready to put it into action and to embody it in terms of our willingness to serve other people, to do good for others we encounter. Mark says, Jesus comes on the scene and says, 
The time has come. The time is now. Repent. Follow me. Believe that God is active now. Believe in the good news of God's love. Have you heard of this movement that's going on in Tulsa called Make Tulsa Golden? A group of people, an interfaith group led by Christians who started this a couple of years ago. They were trying to figure out how to do good in our city. And they were thinking about some different icons, like the Golden Driller. And then they thought of the Golden Hurricane at Tulsa University and the Golden Eagles at Oral Roberts University. And they began to put all that together with the Golden Rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is how I learned it. They began to think about how we could help Tulsa do that. There had been this charter for compassion written by a former Roman Catholic nun who invited leaders from Judaism and Christianity and Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and Confucianism together. And she said, you know what? All of us have a form of what Christians called the golden rule in our teachings. What if we would band together and write a charter for compassion which would empower people in their own lives to stand up against hate and violence, to embody compassion and love in their everyday lives. The idea was perhaps we could promote this charter which would help all people everywhere Make our world a better place to live. So this group in Tulsa was working from that charter for compassion that those others wrote. They've asked us if we're interested to take this pledge to make Tulsa gold. And I put the pledge in your outline. It simply says, I pledge to make Tulsa golden by treating others the way I want to be treated. Those first leaders got together in 2009 and wrote that charter for compassion and began to share it with others. In 2015, in the summer of that year, our city council, at the behest of this group, adopted the charter for compassion as a guiding light for Tulsa, encouraging us to do good, to embody compassion, one citizen to another, to encourage compassion as a core value of our city as we make decisions going forward. Signing the Make Tulsa Golden Pledge is one way to fish for people. Just one way that you can fish for people. I think it's an easy first step that we can take. A way to say, oh, I'm willing to commit to that. I could do that. I could look for ways to be kinder and more generous, more compassionate in my everyday life. I prepared some cards that are out on the counters for you. If you want some more information about this, it has the pledge on one side and the website where you can go if you'd like to sign up saying, I'll make that pledge. On the other side, it has our logo and the golden rule as Matthew states it, in everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets says Jesus. Is that a step you would want to take? It might be. I think it's an easy step, but it might not be for you. 
You might be thinking of another way to do this same kind of thing, to respond to Jesus and fish for people. We know that the 12 disciples all had different personalities. Oh, they all responded as followers of Christ, but they didn't all embody their life of faith in the same way. They didn't all write the same things or involve themselves in the same ministries, and yet they all found a way to respond. What we find as we read through the gospel stories where Jesus is calling people in all different kinds of situations and circumstances is that people respond, but not all in the same way. But when they respond in the affirmative and begin to follow, they begin to take action. They begin to do things differently because they've experienced the love of God come to them through Jesus Christ. What we see in story after story, just like in our story today, is that Jesus calls and people respond. And when people took action, Jesus changed them. Whether it was on a lakeside, like in our story today, or in somebody's house, or out on the road, or it could be at a dinner party or a banquet. It's sometimes just traveling down a street, sometimes happens in a crowd, sometimes happens one-on-one. But what we see in circumstance after circumstance, and story after story in the Gospels, is when Jesus calls and people respond, they are changed. Their lives are changed and remade. As they experience the grace and love of God, the healing and forgiving, the mercy and grace that comes to them through Jesus Christ. Our passage today tells us that Jesus calls us to recognize that the kingdom of God has come near and now is the time to repent or to turn toward God and believe in the good news. And embody that by following Christ. You may think of a half a dozen ways to do that. That is great. Or you may just want to pick up the card off the counter and respond in that way. But the Gospels call us to respond. Jesus calls people to respond. And when they do, the promise of the Gospel is your life is changed for the good. I'll just close with this today, these last few verses out of our text. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed Him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Thanks be to God. And amen.